Welcome again to the Business of Kush, the cannabis business podcast where your host Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and his guests talk about all the business side of the cannabis industry, including accounting, finance, investing, and news of the day. If you're a cannabis business owner, investor, or industry insider looking for the dopest tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your cannabis business, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Chip Schweiger. Hey, folks. Welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Kush podcast. Really glad that you're here. If you're a new listener, a hearty welcome to what is quickly becoming one of the best business podcasts for cannabis entrepreneurs. And if you're a regular listener and subscriber, thanks for joining us again this week. Really happy that you're here. So I'm your host, Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and I'm a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance. I'm also the founder and managing member of a CPA firm that helps marijuana, hemp, and CBD businesses stay on the right side of tax, accounting, and compliance rules. So we started creating this podcast with you in mind, and maybe you're a cannabis entrepreneur who wants to make more money or build a more valuable cannabis business. Or perhaps you're an investor and are looking to keep your finger on the pulse of our industry. Well, I'll tell you, regardless of where you are in the cannabis community, or even if you're looking to get into the legal marijuana businesses, you're welcome here. And I hope you'll find value in these weekly podcasts. If you do like what you're hearing, please consider dropping us a review on Apple or rating us on Spotify. Both platforms make it super easy to do. And in fact, with Spotify, you just click the number of stars that you want and you're done. Now, the reason I mention this is positive reviews are nice, but what they really do is help to get this podcast in front of more listeners in our community. So feel free to rate and review away and also feel free to share this with others who would enjoy it. Okay. So we talk a lot on this podcast about how to make more money in the operation of your cannabis business. Sometimes it's telling the stories of how successful cannapreneurs have built their businesses or are in the process of doing so. And by the way, we've got some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. Other times, we take actionable tips from mainstream industries and apply them to the cannabis industry. These tips are universal truths of business, and so implementing them in any business will help you make more money and create a more valuable business, like we did in last week's episode. But occasionally, we talk about how you can implement hacks in the structuring of your business to return more money to you. And that's exactly where we're going this week. Did you know there are things that you can do in the structuring and setup of your cannabis business right now? that can pay huge dividends in terms of making it more efficient, less frustrating, and putting more money in your pocket in a tax-efficient manner. And one of those things is how you set up your new cannabis venture. Starting a cannabis business is exciting, but don't overlook the details. It's important to think through which type of business entity makes the most sense for your company today and down the road. And as you make your decisions, you'll want to make sure that you steer clear of five common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when selecting a business entity. And if you've already set up your company, 
but you're now starting to have second thoughts after we run through all of this, don't worry. I'm also going to talk about a hack that you can use to change how your company is taxed if you hear anything here that gives you pause. But first, let's get to the five mistakes to avoid. So number one is actually not forming an entity at all. So there's an old saying that not making a decision is a decision in itself. Similarly, not choosing an entity structure leads to the default of operating as a sole proprietorship. And this is the single biggest mistake I see. I consult with cannabis entrepreneurs all the time, but occasionally also mainstream business owners who may have a few businesses and are looking for some help. And the most important piece of advice that I ever give them is you should always have an entity in place. And by that, I mean a legal entity. And here's why. Having a legal entity provides you with asset protection to ensure any future claims from creditors can only be satisfied with the assets in that legal entity. And in the cannabis industry, this is super important. Plus, there are personal benefits to having your business under a legal entity. And, oh, by the way, in a lot of states, your license needs to be held by a legal entity. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I am a CPA, and I have seen this in a ton of cases where somebody just starts into business without any sort of legal protection and any sort of legal entity. And that's a huge mistake. The business structure you choose can significantly impact some important issues in your business life. These issues include exposure to liability and at what rate and manner you and your businesses are taxed. It can also impact your financing and your ability to grow the business, the number of shareholders the business has, and the general way the business is operated. So let's pause for a minute, though, and talk about the major types of legal structures. You'll hear a lot of talk about an LLC and often what's called an S-corporation or a regular corporation. Now, each of these have benefits, but also requirements. For example, an LLC is generally easier to set up and run, but does have some restrictions. Now, with LLCs and S-corporations, the two terms are actually often discussed side by side, but they actually refer to different aspects of a business. An LLC is a type of business entity, while an S-corporation is actually a tax classification. An S-corp election lets the IRS know that your business should be taxed as a partnership. Now, to become an S-corporation, your business first must register as a corporation or an LLC and meet specific guidelines by the IRS in order to qualify. And if you want more details on this, check out our blog at thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash blog. Okay, all this talk about entity selection actually brings us to the second huge mistake you want to avoid. So the number two mistake is failing to research your options. Not researching all of your options at the start could put you and your business on a path that doesn't match your goals. For example, if you do decide to have shareholders down the road, do not make your company an LLC. LLCs are owned by partners who share the profits. Partners are more involved in the business plan and in the operations, where shareholders are simply investors. Often shareholders have a voice, yes, but they usually only take up 49% of the shares on a maximum basis. 
So if you're looking to add investors down the road, it's much easier to do with a C-corporation. The number three mistake that I see people making is that they focus on the short term rather than on their long-term plans. So structuring your business for the short term and not considering the future, such as potential for investors or new owners, is really where this mistake comes in. And this is super important if you've decided that you would need to raise funds for growth in the early years of your business. If so, you need an investor-friendly structure. And as we talked about, that might be a C-Corp. The C-Corporation also allows you to issue multiple classes of shares, which is also a requirement for investors who usually request a separate share class be issued for each investment. The number four huge mistake that I see people making is considering the tax advantages alone and nothing else. And this is a huge mistake to select your filing type solely based on what tax advantages it offers. For instance, you'll see some niche organizations in their early days avoiding C-corporation status at all costs, even when it's clearly the most functional entity for their business model, growth goals, and the industries. And these tax considerations must be balanced with liability concerns, with government requirements, and ultimately your vision for the business's future. And Oh, by the way, depending on the type of structure you settle on, you're going to have to have members or partners or shareholders. How one of these is taxed is the same for all of them. So if you've got a passive investor who wants just to invest in your business, you've got to consider their requirements, and that involves more than just the taxes. All right, the number five mistake that I see people making in setting up their cannabis business is keeping it casual with multiple owners. So when forming a partnership or an LLC with people you know well, you might be inclined to skip the official paperwork, right? After all, you're friends. Everything is unicorns and lollipops. But what happens when the shine wears off? What happens if you and the other owners have a falling out? And I'll tell you, it happens all the time. And so in the long-term ownership situations or in the case of separation, all of this needs to be considered. The more specific the agreements and terms, the better off you're going to be. I tell folks all the time, hope for the best when setting up your company, but plan for the worst. And that includes protecting you and your business in the event of a messy divorce. So there's the five common mistakes you can avoid. And I know it's a lot. But the good news is that it's fairly easy to avoid these common mistakes simply by exploring all of your options, simply by thinking about where you see your business going and growing, simply by being sure to formalize any business relationships. All right, let's pivot a bit. Uh, Let's say that you set up an LLC, but now don't want the tax liability to pass through to you which is especially important in our industry because of the Internal Revenue Code Section 280E. Now, if you've been in this industry for any amount of time, you know about 280E, one of the most frustrating tax law sections for cannabis companies, Internal Revenue Code 280E forbids businesses from deducting otherwise ordinary business expenses from gross income associated with quote-unquote trafficking of substances on Schedule 1 or Schedule 2 
of the Controlled Substances Act. Now, the IRS has subsequently applied Internal Revenue Code 280E to state legal cannabis businesses, since cannabis remains on Schedule 1 as a controlled substance federally. So if your business touches the plant in any way, you're subject to Internal Revenue Code 280E. Most cannabis companies have high tax bills because of the negative impacts of 280E. And these negative impacts are passed through to the owners of a business when they are incorporated as a partnership or as an LLC. So here's the trick. If your company is set up as a single-member LLC or as a multi-member LLC, the tax liability passes to the individual members and carries the potential for large personal tax liability. Some companies make special distributions to cover the owner's or the partner's tax liability, and that's the tax liability that's passed through to them from the company. But the tax liability is still on the individuals. So another option is to elect to be taxed as a corporation. That way, the tax liability is actually paid by the company rather than being passed through to the individual members or partners. And typically, this tax election is made by filing IRS Form 8832 to change your business's tax classification. So what is a Form 8832? Well, quite simply, it's a form certain businesses can use to elect to or change how they're classified for federal tax purposes. Now, all businesses receive a default tax classification, which can result in paying more business taxes than necessary. If you're eligible to use the NAD classification election form, you can change your tax election status and potentially lower your personal tax liability. Now, you're not changing the legal structure of your organization, but you can change how it's taxed. Form 8832 is a voluntary election form. You file it with the IRS to let them know that you want your company to be taxed as a corporation. And doing so alleviates the personal tax liability that comes with a single-member LLC, which is taxed as a sole proprietorship by default, or a multi-member LLC, which is taxed as a partnership by default. Now, not every type of business can use a Form 8832 to change their business's tax classification. The following businesses are eligible. Partnerships can do it. Single-member LLCs can do it. Multi-member LLCs can do it. And certain types of foreign entities can follow the form. These entities all can use Form 8832 to elect to be taxed as a C-corporation, as a partnership, or as a sole proprietorship. Now, if you're currently an LLC taxed as a corporation, you can also use Form 8832 to revert back to a previous tax classification. But here's the pro tip. If you're happy with your current or your default tax classification, you don't need to worry about Form 8832 at all. And keep in mind that your business can only change its tax classification once every five years. And also, as we talked about before, sole proprietorships, as opposed to single-member LLCs that are taxed as a sole proprietorship, sole proprietorships are not eligible to file a Form 8832 election. If your business is a corporation that wants to be taxed as an LLC, you also aren't going to file a Form 8832. Instead, you're going to need to contact your Secretary of State to find out how to convert your corporation. 
And additionally, if your business is an LLC that wants to be taxed as an S-corporation, you'll file Form 2553 instead of Form 8832. So why am I talking so much about Form 8832? Why is this important? Well, the bottom line is Form 8832 can affect your bottom line. If you don't fill out a Form 8832, your business is going to be given that default tax classification, and you may end up paying more business taxes than you really need to. If you choose wisely, changing your tax election status can potentially save you thousands of dollars per year. Why? Well, for one, members of LLCs and partnerships are considered self-employed individuals, and as such, they generally carry a higher tax liability than corporations. And these higher tax liabilities are usually in the form of self-employment taxes that you pay rather than the portion of the FICA taxes that a typical company would pay for their employees. Now add to that that the individual tax rates vary depending on your taxable income, including the income from the business. Remember that Internal Revenue Code Section 280E thing that we talked about before? Well, that only makes your personal tax liability higher. So while individual tax rates can be as high as 37%, corporations currently are taxed at a flat rate of 21%, and this creates a huge opportunity to save tax dollars. So there you have it. If you want to learn more about how to set up your company, be sure to reach out to a knowledgeable attorney or accountant. Now, not any lawyer or accountant will do. They've got to be knowledgeable and experienced in the cannabis industry. Just the other day, I had this where a client had a lawyer involved with setting it up and asked some very basic questions that really a good cannabis attorney would clearly know are dumb questions. Now, I won't name the firm, but I will strongly suggest that you vet your service providers to make sure they know this industry. Just saying that you're a lawyer or an accountant, so they must know is not good enough. These folks are out there screwing it up, innocently or otherwise, They're screwing it up all the time. If you want to talk to somebody more about any of this, including identifying the right advisor team, just drop me a note at our new website, bizofcush.com, or send me an email at chip at thegreenleafcpa.com. Okay, before we finish for this week, let's get to our last segment, and that's the one we call News of the Day. News of the day. All right, let's see. Our first article comes from actually Gondrepreneur Magazine. Uh, It's actually on gondrepreneur.com, but it's the same thing. And it talks about a very interesting situation in Oklahoma. So we've talked before about Oklahoma and cannabis medical marijuana really in Oklahoma. And so the title of this article is The Oklahoma Bill Would Pause further medical cannabis licensing. So a bill that was proposed in Oklahoma would put a pause on medical cannabis licensing and allow regulators to implement moratoriums as they deem necessary. So State Rep. Rusty Cornwell, uh, the bill sponsor, said the legislation is needed as the state has, quote, seen a huge number of commercial medical marijuana grows and facilities flooding into Oklahoma communities. And under the state's medical cannabis law, the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, or what we know as OMMA, 
has no authority to inspect businesses before issuing a license. Now, last October, OMMA Director Adria Berry indicated that the agency would renew its focus on compliance checks and public safety because less than 40% of Oklahoma's 8,857 growers and 2,415 processors, less than 40% of them had been inspected since Oklahoma passed question 788 in 2018. So last summer, just as a little bit more background, last summer, uh, United States Senator Jim Imhoff, who's from Oklahoma, requested $4 million in federal funds to combat illegal cannabis cultivation in the Sooner State, as state officials warned that the product allegedly grown in the state's medical cannabis program is being diverted. And uh, state rep Josh West told uh, the magazine that 60% or more of cannabis grown with an Oklahoma license is sold illegally. So, you know, add to this that currently the state of Oklahoma, is, Oklahoma rather, has no seed to sale tracking system due to a lawsuit by businesses that claim the system would allow a single private business monopoly. So very interesting developments in Oklahoma. When they introduce medical cannabis and medical marijuana in Oklahoma, Boy, I tell you what, for a while it was a free-for-all. There weren't a lot of rules. There wasn't a lot of compliance around it. I think now the state of Oklahoma is starting to look at that and doing something about it. But uh, for folks who have set up, including clients of my firm, who have set up operations in Oklahoma, this is clearly something to take a look at and to consider. All right, and our second piece of news of the day is actually comes to us from Massachusetts. So, Cannabis taxes outpace alcohol taxes in Massachusetts for the first time. So excise taxes for adult-use cannabis in Massachusetts outpace the state's alcohol taxes for the first time through December, reaching $74.2 million compared to $51.3 million, according to the Cannabis Control Commission. And those are figures outlined by the Associated Press. So it's the first time cannabis tax revenues have topped those of alcohol. Now, Massachusetts adult-use cannabis sales carry a 10.75% tax along with a 6.25% state sales tax and local taxes of up to 3%, which that's a hell of a lot of taxes. We can get to that in a different argument. But last fiscal year, the state's total cannabis tax revenues reached $208 million. Now, from 2018 through November of 2021, Massachusetts retailers sold $2.3 billion worth of adult-use cannabis. And so CCC Chairman Steve Hoffman has described the sales figures as pretty phenomenal. You think so? Well, since Massachusetts became the first New England state to allow adult-use cannabis operations 179 stores have started operations, including 325 adult-use establishments, which encompass indoor and outdoor cultivators, product manufacturers, micro-businesses, delivery businesses, and independent testing labs. And the sector employs more than 17,000 people in the state. So, you know, I mentioned this one because, look, we've talked before on this podcast about the value of cannabis as far as an employment vehicle 
and the value of legalization of cannabis as far as a way for states to fund their operations and to give the people what they want. 75% of us in this country think that cannabis and marijuana should be legal. So look, the states are really just leading the charge in terms of providing people what they want. So something to continue to look at here, and we'll continue to keep you updated on things that are happening in the Bay State, but clearly adult use cannabis remains super popular there in Massachusetts. In fact, there was a poll that was done that found 61% of respondents had a favorable view of the reforms with 13%, only 13%, holding somewhat negative or very negative views on the reforms. Okay. Hey, you may have seen that we've got a new website for this podcast. So we're now at bizofcush.com. And just as before, we've got every episode there with the show notes. And we've got a place for you to ask questions or to provide feedback on what you'd like to hear more of. Now, this show is for you. And so if you're stuck on something in your business, let us know and we'll help you dig into it. So head on over to bizofcush.com and please drop us a note. And even if you just want to say hi, we'd love to hear from you either on a comment or you can leave us a voice message while you're there. And also, just one last reminder, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. And all of them are at bizofcush. So let's connect. And with that, we're done for this week. Thanks again for your continued support of this podcast. Thanks for getting this podcast to more people through your reviews and ratings on both Apple and Spotify. And we look forward to you joining us again next week. We'll see you. You've been listening to The Business of Kush, the podcast for cannabis business owners, investors, and industry insiders. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also follow us on social media at at BizofKush or visit us on the web at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to The Business of Kush.